Hello, welcome to the Africa podcast. My name is Mikey Mahanda. Today we have a special episode in collaboration with Manarit and Saadiyat in Abu Dhabi related to their conference Mass Mash Arab Animation from Japan to the Arab World. With us we have a special guest, Rajad Ardi, who is an animator, a force of nature, an illustrator and many other things and I'm really excited to speak to her about her work. Rajad, welcome to uh, the podcast. Hello, I'm excited as well. So this uh, conversation is um, is happening because there's a conference happening in Abu Dhabi all about animation and the relationship of Japanese animation and its influence in the Arab world. It's happening on December 11th and 12th and you're going to be taking part at Manad Saidiyat. But before we talk about the conference, I'd love for you to ask to answer the question that um I'm sure you get all the time which is Rahid, what do you do? Um I like to say I'm an artist. That's a general word that summarizes everything else that I do. Uh from drawing and animation to children's books and children's stories and a variety of things between motion graphics, graphic design. Uh but the thing that I'm most passionate about um is just children content creator and young adult content creator when did you first get interested in becoming an illustrator when did you think to yourself you know i actually like this more than my friends who you know are doodling in class yes um all all my life ever since i was young i've always drawn better than my classmates and so everyone has been saying oh she's the artistic one she's the artsy girl but i didn't take it seriously it was more of a hobby until later on in life i i started to realize okay um people around me are attracted to what i'm doing everyone's interested maybe maybe this is this is something that i can um pursue in life right and so i used to think that um drawing is is not like in itself is a career i thought maybe i should be an art a uh, fashion designer because that involving some drawing uh but later on i started to I started to discover the creation of books and the creation of animation and that there are actual people are that are behind these projects that I love so much so I decided that okay maybe this is something that I can be doing maybe I can create books and I can create stories and I can create animated films and series When did you actually start showing people your work outside of your your close friends and close friend uh family and like teachers and stuff like that Oh this is going way back I started uh showing my work on the internet um I I think maybe around the 6th grade I started joining um only art forums and maybe some uh like english websites like deviant art and new grounds and um so i was making just amateurish stuff on there not really to a professional level but i think i started taking it seriously and just producing something that's more professional after i created my current instagram account which was maybe way back in 2014 so where did you learn i mean it's it's amazing cuz anyone who goes to your youtube page after this or goes to your instagram after after this um we'll see you upload all these different tutorials 
when did you first start learning um, all the tools and uh, skills needed to begin to, you know, publish this work, you know, do professional quality work? How did you actually learn this stuff? My learning process was very gradual. Like I said, I was always just better artist than my classmates. But uh, I think the the year where I really leaped with my art skills was when I was in the sixth grade. Uh, my parents, against my will, put me in an English-speaking school, which I was so scared of because I was a grade A student. I always got A's, but I, I thought I will never be able to do that in English. Um, now, I adapted very quickly, and I think my ability to speak in English has unlocked so many doors for me. I was able to watch some YouTube channels that taught me how to draw something like Cycrius and uh, Cycria Yasin and the KNKL show and all these uh, English-speaking creators that uh, really taught me things that I, I wouldn't have learned otherwise. Amazing. Um, okay, I want to jump directly into some of your projects. And I want to start with um, one of your short films. So it is called um, What Are You Afraid Of? Um, and it's an animated short film. It's on YouTube. And I'm going to have it playing on in the background. So for those of you who are watching the YouTube video as opposed to the podcast, you can have the pleasure of seeing some of it. Um, I want you to take me back and we're going to go through the process behind creating something like this. Um, when I watch it as a viewer, I'm not an animator, I'm not an illustrator. Um, I have no idea how this is made. I mean, sometimes you see these videos of like, you know, cool Pixar people, you know, making, you <laughs> know, making like Wally -E and you're like, oh my God, this is incredible. But I really have no idea how this is actually put together. So, Take me behind the scenes a little bit, um, you know, the step-by-step -step process from the idea to complete execution to me seeing this now. Uh, I think what creates a really powerful animation film next to the, of course, the technical skills, the beautiful colors, the ability to draw well, the, the most important aspect of the whole process is the idea. You must have a really good idea or else your film it might look pretty but it won't be memorable right so the idea for what are you afraid of started with me just a long time before i even started working on the film i saw a vision of my head of this little girl who turns into a warrior a brave warrior and defeats a monster and i knew i wanted to create a film around this idea of her courage turning her into a warrior um, it took me a few months or years, maybe, until I decided to finally execute this. So the first step after the idea was to find the team that's perfect for this style. And I started going around artist groups or even on WhatsApp or even on Instagram, just looking for these people who can support me in making the film and reaching out to them. It was either people that I knew well and I've collaborated with and I can start like trust that they can actually progress with me or it was people that I saw their work, their, um, their work was captivating and also it was matching to the art style that I wanted and I reached out to them and we decided to form this team together. And I think it's worth noting that I've also seen accounts for people that were 
their work was really, it's beautiful, it's breathtaking, but I didn't contact them for this project. I still was friends with them because uh, their art style was different. So I just, I want to tell artists out there that sometimes uh, it's not about, you know, the skills, it's about your art being a fit for the project. And this can happen, um, you know, to anyone. Anyway, so moving on, uh, I started with a limited number of people and then I expanded the more I needed people in the, in the group. That is because I didn't want to add people to the group and they were just waiting around for the role. I wanted everyone to come in already fit in nicely and already having tasks. So um, I started with my core group and for these core group of people, I wanted them to feel at home when they're making this film. I didn't want them to feel like they were just following someone else's vision. I wanted them to be more involved in the process and to actually feel like this film is theirs as well. It's their property and they can do whatever they want. So uh, we started with uh, a meeting where we started talking about the story and where we wanted to take it. We started writing the stories as a bullet point, which is not yet a script. Uh, it's a summary of the story in bullet point format, which allows you to just um, see the skeleton of the story without getting lost in the detail. A script like this contains details like what the character is feeling, how the character is moving, she's stuttering, she's walking, she's confident, she's scared. And the next step is taking these bullet points after we've organized them and change them into the script. Now, the difference between the previous form of writing the story and the script is that the script contains um, camera angles and the movement and how we interpret the way the character is feeling scared. We change that. We don't use the word scared. We use the word she moves her sword, you know, violently everywhere. Her eyes widen, her, her body shivers or yani, just take the feeling and translate it into a visual. Okay. So after writing this script, we took that script and we translated it into a storyboard. Now, most studios, when it comes to storyboards, they try to designate a person and specialize the specialized in storyboarding and keep him there. Instead, I wanted to involve everyone in the process. So I allowed each person to uh, translate a portion of that script into storyboards all by herself. So we divided it into fourth and everyone had a range to start with. So doing this allowed me to explore the way each artist thinks and the visual that happens inside her head, which allows me to communicate better with her. And the second thing is that I discovered that one of our artists is actually really talented when it comes to storyboards because she's fast and she uh, creates panels that are expressive. And of course, storyboards, they don't care about the detail of the artwork. They don't care about how pretty you make the panel look. It's more about the clarity, the proportion, the perspective, all these things, the emotion that the character is feeling should be clear within a thumbnail sized panel. Right. So after we finalized the storyboards, of course, there's been some changes, some reiteration and just making sure the length of the film is under control. Uh, we took the storyboards and we started splitting up in our text. So 
from this point, everyone was doing the same thing. Now we need to specialize more, right? So we started by creating the layout. And the difference between the storyboards and the layout is that the layout is more accurate to the file size. It's not a thumbnail size. It's the size of the screen. If there is some camera movement, of course, the size of the layout will get bigger and it will identify the placement of the trees, for example, or the placement of the character and where she will move, where the camera will move accurately. Um, following the layout process, we took that and we turned it into the animatic. Meanwhile, someone else was doing the character designs and someone was doing the background designs. And of course, before we get to the character and background design, we have to go through the color script. <laughs> now, the color script is very important. You should never forget it. <laughs> And these color scripts, they're useful because they tell you how uh, the film will feel like before you start working on it. You need to finalize the feeling and the atmosphere of, of your film. If you look at the color script, you can quickly see where the story starts and where it's most difficult and where it begins to relax and end. And you can see it through the colors. The colors are the fastest way in which you can convey emotion. Um, and also using the colors that we've done in the color scripts, we were able to pinpoint the character design because we wanted to contrast her with the darker uh, background, the darker bluer background, we decided that the character needs to be the contrasting color to blue, which is yellow, uh, I mean, sorry, red, and with a yellow lighting, right? Now, um, taking these colors, turning them into character design and background design, we had the raw material to make up the film. From that point on, on we just needed to animate. So, all this process that I just ex explained, it took a month, right? Maybe like a month and a week. And that's all of this happened and we still didn't even begin animating yet. Just to tell you how much you need to put a lot of thinking into your project because the more you've thought out all these details right at the outset, the easier it, has be it will become to move on in the future and the faster uh, your, pro your, pro your project will progress, right? And creating all these things at the start, it felt like we were much like our character. We were walking through a dark forest and we had a flashlight. The further away the flashlight showed us, the faster we moved and the more obscure details were ahead of us or the, the shorter ahead we were able to see. I noticed the slower our progress has become, right? Now, we moved on to the animation phase, and because we worked most of these details, we were able to progress quickly. Uh, we started by sketching or creating the rough animation for the character. And with the rough animation, we didn't even uh, go by order. We started with the easier shots and then moved up to the more difficult shots, right? Um, this has two advantages. First of all, as you progress through working on your project, you will notice that your art style will slowly develop. It will change. You don't want that to be noticeable. You don't want someone to compare the first shot of the film with the last shot and see the difference, right? So you work out of order. That's number one. Number two, it's because we are starting 
when we're starting the film, we feel more energetic, but as we move forward, we start to lose that energy. So maybe you want to get the, the clearer shots of the character, the best first. Uh, next, uh, when it comes to rough animation, you start with the key animation. So what's a, what's a keyframe? The keyframe is when, for example, my hand is moving like this, the key frames should be where I start, where uh, it is like changes direct drastically and where it ends, right? So we drew these first, we rough them out and that's called the key animation. Moving on, you, you take this key animation and you create the betweens like so, right? So, and, and these rough animations, they're not like the line work. They're not really accurate representation of um, where each line will be placed. It's more of a rough or a sketch of how the character will be like. But then you do the line work. Now, the line work is more accurate. It's, um, it's one thin line. And that's why you start to sometimes see all your errors. So through this um, line work, you need to have a really keen eye to look out for any wobbling where the character will get bigger or smaller through the same uh, clip, you have to control that. And after controlling all these errors, we do the fill animation and then the shading. Um, after we've done the animation and after we've colored <laughs> all of our- It's amazing how, many, how much detail there is. I love that you're able to like walk through the, the, how much work goes into it. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm just marveling at, at it. <laughs> Keep going. Okay, um, so just, yeah, we've, we've finished animating and then we just uh, compile everything into one video. We do the audio effects and the audio, um, the music, which was outsourced by Dario. Thank you so much, Dario. Amazing. So, okay, so you finished the whole thing. I, I, I'm still beside myself at how, my, how much, how many steps there are. So I love that you went through it detail by detail. But... Um, so you finish the whole thing, okay? And then it gets published. Where do you, I mean, you publish it on YouTube, but are you making these for yourself or are you making them in your mind? Are you like, oh, I can't wait for my friends to see them or I can't wait for some stranger, some other somewhere else to see them. I can't wait for my animators to see it. I can't wait for my parents to see it. Like, who are you making these for? Um, I wanted to um, first compete in film competitions or film festivals. So for the first year, we've just been sending our film to film festivals. But later on, I do truly want as many eyes as possible to see our work and get to know us. And hopefully this film is only a beginning. It's a beginning to our animation studio, Sadeem Animation. Um, and after this film, maybe you guys will be attracted to see more of our work in the future. Amazing. Okay, I want to switch gears slightly away from animation and into the world of, I mean, comics and cartoons, that maybe is the right way. I'm going to have you correct my, uh, my, my vocabulary. So on the screen, we have webtoons, uh, and we have your webtoon and some of the different uh, projects that you have. So before you uh, explain some of the projects, what is a webtoon? <laughs> Uh, a webtoon is basically 
comics just on the internet. And the difference between a webtoon and a comic is that comics are uh, their pages, right? They are rectangular shape. You flip through them like this. But webtoons is more of a long image that you have to scroll through, right? And the cool thing about webtoons is that any artist can make their own series. There is no entry barrier. There is no pitching to publishers or whatnot. You can just directly uh, from author to audience. And that's the pretty thing about it. Amazing. So can I ask you a question? Okay, this is mm -hmm. going to sound like a silly question. But since this whole conversation is, uh, you know, all about sort of from Japan to the Arab world, what is the difference between anime and manga and webtoons and comics? Like, help me with just the basic vocabulary. It's basically the same thing, just through a different medium. I, I think manga is just when a Japanese artist makes it for a Japanese audience. Of course, that definition now became more worldwide. It would uh, probably define better something that's created to look in the format of uh, Japanese comic books, right? Yeah. And I think comic books is, reminds me more of like Western uh, types of, uh, you know, illustrated stories. And they're just created by Western people and they're more colored. They're a different format. Usually the type of storyline is different. It, it's closely linked to superheroes sometimes. And then you have webtoons, which are uh, created on the internet. But really, if you think about it, I think all of these things intersect somewhere. Like I've seen some manga-looking webtoons or comic book-looking webtoons on the internet. And I've also seen um, like Western media creating what looks like a manga. It's just, I think yeah. this is the cool thing about the internet and the world we live in today is that everything is intersecting and everyone is learning from everyone. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Okay. Let's talk about one of the series that you have on, uh, on Webtoon, which is Peasant Queen, which is your longest running series, which started in 2018 and the most recent episode or the most recent, uh, uh, um, sort of version um, was version number uh, 81. So it's been going on for quite some time. So tell us a little bit about this series, Peasant Queen. Who is the Peasant Queen? Right. The Peasant Queen story, it revolves around a girl named Massa. She is a princess. She's born in the palace. One of the servants working in the palace kidnaps her and raises her as his little sister. He escapes with her to a house full of other kids who are parentless. He lies and says, she's my little sister. We're orphans and they live in this house. She makes lots of friends with the kids there and she basically grows up like a commoner. Um, later on, she will grow up to discover the truth and she will uh, depart from home. Now, the story of Peasant Queen is something that started way back before 2018 when I created the first episode. It started back in 2015. And this is, again, comes back to the uh, thing I said earlier about ideas. But sometimes when they hatch, uh, you need to grow them for a while it can take months to years until you execute the idea 
And uh, of course, when, when I started thinking about Peasant Queen, it didn't look like the way it looked like today. It evolved a lot until she became the person that she is now. Um, yeah, and I, I think this story is made for Arabs by an, Arab, by an Arabic artist. And I love that people would come to me and be like, okay, this is the first time on Webtoon that I see an Arabic creator making an Arabic story. Finally, we have some representation. And I think that's, um, that's my proudest thing about this project. That's so nice. I mean, um, so some of the slides that we have on, some of them, uh, the, the sort of the text boxes are in English and in Arabic. Some of them are only in English. Is it an entirely bilingual series or is it, uh, does it sort of oscillate between the two? Now, I think when, when I made the story, I, I made it for an Arabic audience in mind. However, people on Webtoon, they're not Arabic speakers most of, mostly. Yeah. They're English speakers, and that is why I started it in English. However, I am working on a, an Arabic book, and I will publish it in Arabic, of course, eventually. Right. But for now, you can see uh, Masa-related content on my Instagram and my TikTok. She yeah. speaks Arabic. She's an Arabic girl. So I want to talk about, you mentioned, you alluded to this earlier about sort of the evolution. So on the screen, I have uh, a slide from one of the first editions, which was in 2018, and a slide from the most recent edition, which is in 2021. I wonder how Masa has changed in your mind and how you as an artist have evolved, but also she as a character has evolved. That's a really good question. Yes. Now, us creatives, when we make something, we make something that it will have an essence of us inside of it, right? Um, and I, I started to see this later on after I started creating mass. I started to see myself better, strangely. Before, um, when I started Massa, she looked different. Her view about the world was very different. And then slowly, as I, I move on in the story, I'm rewriting and rewriting the ending and the middle multiple times. And I start to notice how the ending changes the way Massa will interact with her world shifts according to the lessons that I've learned in life. And I truly think that Massa's journey resembles mine in a way. Yeah, it's interesting because like on your Instagram, you have this, you have this, uh, this running thing, you know, like draw, draw this in your own style, draw Masa in your own style. Um, and I wonder if you, if you feel like she is like, um, she can be an icon in this region. You talked about representation, right? And so, um, you know, little kids all the world over, especially in a, like a very marvelized um, Hollywood uh, world. Um, you know, have Spider-Man pajamas and Iron Man things and Thor and um, and like all these very uh, Western characters by definition. And there yeah. aren't that many homegrown uh, homegrown heroes, right? Even somebody like yeah. Captain, Ma even somebody like Captain Majid, right? Like, it's not exactly <laughs> it's not exactly homegrown, right? So this idea, um, this idea of having a homegrown hero. Um, I wonder if, uh, if that's, you know, if you realize that that might be some of the effect your work is having. Right. Yes. Um, you know, actually, Massa didn't always look like this when I first designed her. She looked, lo she looked a lot more like myself when I was younger. Uh, you know, you do this passively. You don't even think about it. Massa had my skin color and my hair type. 
and she she had the same like character or energy to her the way I was when I was a child and then I changed my mind about her and I made her to look completely different when I heard the story of one of my friends at school where she got bullied by a teacher and I thought this is so unfortunate like she this is one of the people where i looked up to my friend was really smart she's really talented she's better than me in every way and i was learning constantly from her every time i need advice she's the one that i go to so how could somebody look down on her just over reasons and even worse i've i've met little girls so young and they come to me and they talk about how uh, they're insecure about the way they look oh you're so lucky you look like this and i wish i looked like you i'm ugly and they're the girls that i'm talking about here they're 10 12 years old you're too to be thinking about these things i wanted to create a character where it will show them that you someone who looks like you can be so beautiful she can be a positive example for you um you don't have to be so hard on yourself and it's uh, it, it, beauty exists can, in every shape and form and color and i hope that massa can be a positive example for all little girls out there well you know it's interesting it's it, because the the what are you afraid of main character also has similar similar things like here i'll just i'll pull up the character design stuff right so she has this like small little i mean the the, the main character uh, as a little girl is goes through this transformation in in the story right and i feel like that's the transformation that you're describing right which is you know we all have this superhero type character inside of us um, and we need to we need to tap into it. Right, exactly. I think um, she goes through a transformation, and I think Masa also goes through the same transformation. Because I want to show you start. It doesn't matter where you start. It's a, it's about you having the attitude and the strength to improve yourself. And of course, your exterior will match your in, will match your interior in the end. You will have the if you have the courage, if you have the strength, you can grow bigger and better. Yeah. Who are some of your uh, uh, sources of inspiration, like when you were a kid? What animation did you love? What films did you love growing up that sort of helped you and inspired you from both a technical perspective, but also from a storytelling perspective? I was very fascinated in Ghibli films, uh, especially Howl's Moving Castle. I, I love about Hayato Miyazaki's work that he he shows lots of imagination and lots of just out of this world experience, but it's still connected to his own identity and his own culture. Yani, you watch the film, you can see the type of person that makes it and what what's more inspiring is how he mixes this uh out of world experience this mythical experience with real life and just every day's mundaneness the way he shows something that we see every day like nature or food or cooking he shows it in a way that's so interesting and so captivating that you can't skip even though we live in a world where everyone is trying to move on faster everyone's skipping to the next video if they're bored for even one second they will skip through you can't slow down your work Hayato Miyazaki still takes time to show you something that's pretty it's not fast it's calm and it's just relaxing 
I think that's what's missing these days. And that's what I want to learn from him. Yeah. In the region, are there, you know, we were talking about, you, you didn't think that this could be a career, but right. locally, were there, you know, is, was there any sort of source of, um, source of inspiration locally? Like what, what you thought Arab cartoons or comics or uh, animation could look like, were there any sources um, of inspiration or guidance um, there? Um, there is, but very little. Sadly, um, I think uh, animation is still new in this area. It's still just, say, a toddler, right? And yeah. it's, it's slowly growing. Um, if you get in early, you will start to see um, how it will evolve. But um, when I was younger, I always thought, oh, I have to go to Japan to learn animation. I have to go to a Japanese university and study as a specialized university graduate animator i had to uh, work at a japanese studio famous studio big foundation but it, that's not necessarily the case the cool thing about animation and art is that you can get in by just making your own things right so i started just making stuff in the region and i i didn't get to study animation in university but i started to meet lots of talented other people in university that also are fascinated in the same talents that i was and then later on on the internet i started seeing cartoon network academy and i started seeing 2454 starting to grow up and uh, uh, i was thinking okay this is growing. Maybe I have a chance to be an animator in this area. It's still young. There are still just, you know, foundation-based projects. There are still a few studios. Uh, if you want to be animator, an animator, you will likely start more independently before you grow. But I have faith that, inshallah, in the future, we will have a structured industry for animation and just entertainment media in general here in the Middle East. Yeah, I, I hope so. Okay, I have on the screen um, a, a, a screenshot from one of your YouTube videos where you do these tutorials. Walk me through why you're doing this, because I think I know why, but explain to me why you go out of your way to upload uh, mm -hmm. Photoshop and animation tutorials in Arabic. Um, I think it's fair because I, I feel like I was... God given this knowledge, I, I think I need to be responsible for, with it and take it and give it to other people likewise. Because like I said in the start, I, I couldn't have learned everything that I know now had I not learned English early on. But not many people are as advantaged as I was. So my channel is all about taking this knowledge that's way high up in the bookshelf of knowledge just taking it and placing it a little bit lower in the bookshelf, just allowing more and more people to reach in and take this knowledge. Uh, I'm making this because there isn't enough professional-grade tutorials for, Arab, for Arabs in Arabic to learn art and animation. And if we want this industry to start to see the works we wish existed when we were young, then we should also help out everyone we should distribute this knowledge just allow people to you know, develop their skills more just give them absolutely. the knowledge that we have yeah absolutely i mean looking at it now um 
have you seen a sort of a community begin to grow? I mean, in the comics, the comment section, are you seeing other Arab animators in all across North Africa and across the Levant and the Gulf um, who are looking at your things and responding and then they're creating their own channels? Is there a community really growing? Yes, of course. Um, shout out to Mary Kor, for example. She's helped me uh, draw Massa. She is also the voice actress, and she makes her own horror films, uh, actually horror video games. And there's Mind Academy, who also creates um, an interesting story about Khalifa, an Arabic superhero. So definitely, uh, because we share the same uh, interests, we also find ourselves in the same places and we meet and make friends. Um, definitely. And of course, a proof that this community is growing is that whenever there is an event or something that pertains to our interests, you will see this knowledge of this event distributed quickly amongst everyone. If one or two people know it, then suddenly a hundred more people will know it. Definitely, this community is starting to lump together, get connected and get bigger and better. Yeah, that's so cool. So when this episode goes live, um, then they'll all hear about it. And hopefully we can begin to help grow the community even more. Um, I have to ask you about one of my favorite things after I was like looking into your YouTube page was the name of your YouTube account, which is Boss Arts. Um, <laughs> and anyone who's listening to you realizes that you're super confident and you're totally on top of everything and you seem like you are the boss. Um, what was the process? between behind picking that as your handle and sort of your banner i have a history of pretending to be a boy on the internet mainly because i wanted to just get away from uh, the annoyingness that comes with people finding out you're a girl it's like a unicorn in the, you've you've watched a unicorn or some mythical creature no so i i've been i wanted a name that can that can be both a boy or a girl but at the same time, I wanted it to be something awesome. Um, I've always known that I wanted to start my own animation studio. I wanted to be a boss. I wanted to have people working with me. Um, so I, and my art is amazing. It's beautiful. So boss is just the ideal word that describes me best. I love it. I love your confidence. I love um, that you're a fan of yourself and your own work. I love it. It, uh, it really puts such a smile on my face. Um, let me ask you um, two last questions before we do the quick Q&A. One of them is, uh, what are you working on these days? And what can we be excited about? So that's the first question. Go ahead. Um, right now, I am working on founding my animation studio, Sadim Studios. Uh, we are working on um, currently just a screen or cutscenes for some video games in addition to children books. But more importantly, I am currently working on the Arabic version of Masa and that will be published as a book. And uh, you should uh, find something about us inshallah inshallah by next year uh, i am also working on some other side projects that um, will hopefully help other people learn more about animation and art and yeah so cool the last question i want to ask you is what are you excited about in terms of the conference going to the conference this this week december 11th and 12th in abu dhabi 
I'm mostly excited to meet all the other artists there and especially my friends. Uh, but I look forward to meeting more people who are in the field. I want to get to know um, other artists, animators, directors, uh, voice actors. That's, um, that sounds exciting because I feel like uh, the more we get to know each other, the more we lump together, maybe that's uh, fuel for the next creative project. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, my, let's do the quick Q&A, these rapid-fire questions, and then we will sign off. So the next, first question is, what are you reading or watching these days? Uh, I'm reading, uh, I'm actually watching Spy Family, which is the cutest anime you've ever watched. Uh, it's also involving a young male main character. Maybe that's just my type of media. And I am reading Blue Ocean Strategy. <laughs> Amazing. That's your boss, your boss side. Um, yeah. Okay, let's. Uh, who would you love to shadow for a day, past or present? I would love to shadow Rasha Rizk. Uh, I feel like there's so much that I can learn from her. And her being in the industry, maybe she knows a lot of people that I would be excited to get to know. And I want to see the behind the scenes for the projects that I am a fan of. Cool. Yeah. What are some of those projects so people can look them up? Uh, have you heard of this uh, first uh, sci-fi animated uh, series? No, tell me about it. Well, it's uh, created by Barajun Entertainment. And it's about this uh, main, female main character. It's got to do with space. It's not yet released, but I am okay. looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah. What do your friends and family misunderstand about your work? Okay, um, there used to be a lot of misunderstanding around the point whether it's a feasible career path or not, especially my parents, they were worried um, about me drawing too much, not even studying, which was a valid point in the past. But now that uh, they've realized that this can actually turn into something big and it's, it can be a career path, uh, they've become my biggest fans. The, the most misunderstood thing about, for example, Peasant Queen uh, is how people, uh, they insist on shipping her. <laughs> this is something so silly, but they insist on shipping her with someone all throughout the story. Every time there is a male character that's next to her who becomes prominent in the story, they start the shipping. And I'm like, people, you're missing the point. The point is not her ending up with someone. And maybe we need to forget about the main character always having to end up with somebody. Uh, yeah. maybe it's more about that character's own growth and forget about her helping someone to become themselves. Each person should help themselves become themselves and become their own identity rather than relying on somebody else to save them, for example. Isn't that more realistic? Yeah. And then lastly is whose work sort of gives you a constant source of inspiration? Uh, definitely uh, Hayato Miyazaki still. His films are so timeless. I haven't been able to replace Ghibli films with someone else's work. I do take some inspiration from Disney, but maybe that's more in terms of their art style and their color choices. But really, when it comes to storytelling and developing characters, I'm, I'm admiring Ghibli a lot. Amazing. 
So if anyone's interested in uh, looking you up, it's easy to find you online, um, on Instagram, uh, on YouTube. You can just look for Ragged Arts. So R-A-G-H-A-D dot A-R-T-S. Um, Ragged, thanks so much for joining us. It was really, really a pleasure speaking. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. And I'm very excited to mass mash and I hope to see everyone. Yeah, and I will see you there too. So if anyone's interested or close to Abu Dhabi, come by the conference. It's on December 11th to 12th at Manarit al Saadiyat. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you there. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to hafikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks.